Good afternoon, passengers. This is your captain speaking. I'd like to welcome everyone aboard this podcast. We are currently cruising at an altitude of 35,000 feet and airspeed of 450 miles per hour. Weather is clear and sunny with a high of 75 degrees. The cabin crew will be coming around in about 20 minutes to offer you a light snack and beverage. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome aboard Pilot Error. I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wang's Job Movie Magazine. You may know me from such podcasts as The Deep Dive Podcast, The Deep Dive Microcast, and Mysteries of the Deep. And we are not affiliated with Deep Dive Cream-Filled Donuts or Deep Dive Secondhand Wig Outlet. This is Pilot Error, where we look at TV shows that went belly up before their time slot. This episode, we look back into the swinging 60s as we learn about a show that just wasn't canceled after one episode. It was pretty much canceled midway through that episode. How is that even possible? Well, let's dive in. cultural upheaval of the last half of the 1960s is impossible to understate. In the entertainment industry, there was a tug of war between the old establishment, desperate to keep doing things the way they had been done since movies and TVs began, and the younger generation who was more interested in fomenting social change. Some were doing it through protests, sometimes violent ones, And there were some who chose to express their desire for change through art. Music, movies, literature, and even TV were conduits for the message. Much of that art, though, was deadly serious. After all, the soul of the nation seemed to be at stake. But it wasn't all doom and gloom. The counterculture had developed its own style of comedy. There was a lot of satire and social commentary that came with the comedy. Groundbreaking stand-up comedians like Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, and Richard Pryor were making millions laugh. Well, when they weren't getting arrested on obscenity charges. By the end of the 1960s, comedians were able to get away with a lot when it came to social commentary and, well, profanity. On stage, on comedy albums, and on the silver screen, a new permissiveness made it possible to say just about anything, except on television. There were still strict limitations on what you could say and see on TV. But by 1969, Americans watched an estimated six hours of television per day. And that was when there were only three television networks. Even so, there were still untapped reserves of viewers, those ages between 14 and 20, the youth market. Now, how do you get those meddling kids to watch TV? One fairly easy and somewhat inexpensive way was music. Here we come, 
Walking down the street, we get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys, and people say we monkey around. But we're too In 1966, the monkeys, aka the Prefab Four, were an experiment that paid off for a little while. The manufactured Beatles knockoffs did well on NBC with a high-energy, slapstick, fourth-wall-breaking style that was in stark contrast to anything on rival fuddy-duddy network CBS. That was until CBS hired a folk-singing duo made up of two genial, nice, normal-looking brothers. Premiering in 1967, the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour started as a kind of run-of-the-mill music and variety show. It was a way for CBS to dip its toes into the youth market and see what the response would be. It was never expected to last long, especially when it was scheduled against ratings juggernaut Bonanza, the Western drama on NBC. But something odd happened. The show was getting popular with that so-called youth market. It may have had something to do with their roster of musical guests. Artists like The Doors, The Who, and Jefferson Airplane all made appearances. It may have also had something to do with the show's content. Tom and Dick Smothers weren't interested in putting on a bland, cookie-cutter comedy show. So, not long after its premiere, they went for the jugular. Cutting political humor, religious humor, and the brothers' vehement anti-Vietnam War stance made the show a must-see among young people. It also made the brothers a lot of enemies, including some executives at CBS. The show was abruptly canceled during its third season. The events that uh, led up to today's press conferences, and this will be the, the final, uh, as far as we're concerned, uh, our press conference regarding our problems with CBS, are primarily the reason that I think we were taken off the air. Any show uh, will be censored, but it should be censored at the, the lowest level, which is affiliate censorship is as close as you can get to individual flicking the switch, turning it off if it offends. We feel that if, if, we, uh, if CBS has its way, we are off and we don't go on the air anymore and there's nothing said about it, well, that's fine. The show, or the, the money doesn't matter. It's that nobody else will come forward. There's no one in the business trying to do anything that steps out or say anything. The precedent will be set the, the, that you cannot do it. It's a no-no, so nobody will try it. And so television will, will not have the, uh, the, uh, the uh, energy to do it and they won't have the opportunity to do it. The subsequent lawsuits between the Smothers Brothers and CBS lasted longer than the show itself. The Brothers won a breach of contract suit against CBS. Could there be a, a happy medium could there be a comedy show that bridged the generation gap? 
a television producer named George Schlatter thought so. And in 1968, the NBC network premiered Laugh-In. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight NBC, the not bad crowd, proudly presents the 100th Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, starring Dan Rowan, Dick Martin, and me, I am Gary Owen. With these words, for those of you at home celebrating your 100th anniversary, you better take it easy. are still demanding free expression, sexual liberalization, and legalized drugs. But the only thing they're not demanding is jobs. Well, commercialism has invaded the churches. Now one congregation prays, give us this day our daily vitamin-enriched bread. <laughs> The toy manufacturers have done it again. They have a new war game called Vietnam. It's an adult game played by young people. The rules are impossible to understand, and nobody can win. Laughing was the answer to the question, what if there were an old-timey vaudeville show where everyone was tripping on acid? Uh, the mix of sketch comedy, rapid-fire jokes, and psychedelic imagery proved to be a hit among younger and even some older viewers. So, why not do it again? So, producer George Slaughter came up with a new show with a similar look and feel. NBC already had laughing. And CBS, well, they wouldn't touch that kind of show. And it was down to ABC. And ABC decided to order 13 episodes of Schlatter's new concept, a show called Turn On. Do you love me? Do I love you? We just met a couple of minutes ago. For all I know, you might be a pot-smoking, jaded, wild-eyed, radical dropout. I am a pot-smoking, jaded, wild-eyed, radical dropout. I love you. <laughs> Turn On was another rapid-fire sketch comedy show, but with a very odd premise. It was supposed to be that the show was made by a computer. I mean, it actually predicted AI-written works. It was only off by about 50 years. But the show was supposed to take the laugh-in style to a whole new level. It was described by one of its producers as, quote, visual, comedic, sensory assault involving animation, videotape, stop-action film, electronic distortion, computer graphics, and even some people, end quote. The show even featured the earliest motion capture technology ever created. Now, it may have been too fast, too disjointed, too controversial, in fact, just too much for audiences to take. It was also too much for several ABC affiliate stations to take. After viewing a pre-screening of the show, several ABC stations refused to air Turn On. Affiliates in the Mountain and Pacific time zones, after watching the show air on the East, decided not to run it either. But perhaps the most infamous case came from Cleveland, Ohio station WEWS. According to reports, 
the station manager yanked Turn On off of the air after only 10 minutes. The remaining 20 minutes was filled by organ music and a blank screen. Audiences were not happy either. The switchboards of some of ABC stations were jammed with calls complaining about the show. The network itself received 369 complaints about the show while it was airing. The show's sponsor, drug company Bristol-Myers, sent a telegram ordering George Schlatter to cease production immediately. And it was kind of a foregone conclusion at that point. Turn on needed to be turned off permanently. The show was officially canceled two days later. There was only one other episode of Turn On that was completed and ready to air. But that, of course, never happened. Now, several clips and promos from Turn On are floating around YouTube if you're interested. But the only way to view the two completed episodes is to make the journey to New York City and to the Paley Center for Media. They have copies of both Turn On episodes available to watch in their archives. In hindsight, Turn On was a bit of a dichotomy. The humor seemed to be too crude for audiences, and the show's style was way too disjointed to follow. Of course, you could take that to mean it was ahead of its time, and yes, in some ways it was. Even though its time was incredibly short, Turn On managed to break some ground. Yes, it, it was a failed experiment, but sometimes those can yield the most interesting results. podcast has just been cleared to land. As we start our descent, please make sure your seat backs and tray tables are in their full upright position. Make sure your seat belt is securely fastened and all carry-on luggage is stowed underneath the seat in front of you or in the overhead bins. We hope you had a safe and enjoyable listening experience. If you have any comments, go to the deep dive podcast at gmail.com and drop us a line. Any clips used in the podcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on any existing copyrights. And thanks for flying an Automaton Studios production.